<laughs> We're just that in sync. We're just that good. That good. Hello. Hello. Again. We're here. Kristen is still pregnant, guys. I am. Very much still pregnant. No movement on the baby front. I mean, there's been movement, but just not the movement that we're waiting for. Right, exactly. And um, yeah, that's that's it. That's it for the update for me. <laughs> uh, and this is Haunted Hoax. And I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kristen. And I hope that everybody has been enjoying so far the Urban Legend collaboration with the Boo Pod Network. Mm-hmm. If you are keeping up with all the episodes, um, like we have mentioned before, there's a schedule on our Instagram, um, and we just did ours last episode, so I hope everybody enjoyed that. It was fun, different, mm-hmm. and we said at the end of our last episode that we were going to New York, and we changed our minds. Yeah, there wasn't really, there there wasn't wasn't much. really much, <laughs> so we decided to go somewhere else. And we decided to just hop coasts and go to LA. And we're going to be talking about the Barclay Hotel or Barclay. Uh, yeah, I think it depends on who's pronouncing it. Because I kept like in my head, I look at it and I say Barclay. But when I watched the Ghost Adventures episode, he was very persistent about it being Barclay. So I, I don't know. For me, it looks like Barclay because of the way it's spelled. But, you know, you know, there are some places and some cities and some states that have really up for interpretation <laughs> names just like no. St. Louis, St. Louis, you know. We'll just we just do our best and that's we all appre- we can do. We appreciate your kindness in letting us <laughs> make our our pronunciation mistakes and interpretations. Yes. But yeah, so Hotel Barclay, I'm just going to jump right in, is said to be in this triangle of basically suicide killer hotels with the Hotel Cecil, according to some articles I read and Ghost Adventures. So most of my stuff is going to come from Ghost Adventures. I couldn't really find a lot on like specific hauntings at the Barclay Hotel besides Ghost Adventures. Mm. I found a lot of like what supposedly went on there, but not like these are ghost stories that people have told. I see. Which is fine. The episode was still interesting. (laughs) Yeah. No, Joe actually put it on of his own volition. Like I came upstairs and he was already sitting down and he had just randomly turned on this episode. And so we sat down and watched it and I was like, it's a Ghost Adventures episode. But it's like the premise and like the actual substance of it seemed really interesting. And some of the evidence is pretty interesting too. Mm-hmm. So they're my main source. And I know that usually when it's just Ghost Adventures as my main source, I kind of get a little bit like iffy. But, you know, it is in the same proximity of hotel cecil it does have apparently a really dark past how much of it is will not portion how much of it is true you'll have to fill us in on but they do talk to james bartlett who is a journalist they spoke to him in the hotel cecil episode mm-hmm. and that's where it got i got the part of a suicide triangle of hotels in the area but they didn't name the other hotel and i didn't look it up but i'm interested to see 
what weird Bermuda Triangle of death is going on with hotels in LA. Well, this location isn't the best. The it's best. Skid Row. Yeah. It's a very um, rough and poor area. Mm-hmm. So James Bartlett described that there's been a lot of suicides that have gone on here. He said one guy left a note for a suicide note for his wife when he took his life at the Barclay and said, I hope he told his wife, I hope you roast in hell for what you did before taking cyanide, which is a horrible note to leave somebody. And it just made me like, maybe automatically think like, I just felt like I needed to point out if somebody takes their own life, even if they leave a note blaming you, just know that you are not to blame. That person yeah. had some things going on in their life. It is not your responsibility to keep somebody else alive. Once they are adults and they can take care of themselves, obviously, children are different. But like, you know. I think it's also important to say this episode is going to touch on some pretty sensitive topics. Yeah. I know I have some history that is like pretty rough. So this is going to be a heavier episode and we are going to be touching on things like a suicide, murder, and assault. So yeah, just keep that in mind as we just move forward. Just be warned. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is, has been like apparently the gruesome sight of a lot of people just dying. Um, and that's why it supposedly has all this negative energy and is haunted. He also reported Jack the Ripper like killings that have happened on the property, including one of Virgie Lee Griffin at the hands of a guy named Otto Wilson. He allegedly brought her back from a bar and then murdered her. She supposedly is still haunting the third floor, I believe. I think that she's either on the third floor or the fourth floor. I th- no, she's on the second floor. I have to remember my floors. She's on the second floor um, because it comes back later in the episode. Um, but she is supposedly still haunting the place after being murdered and dismembered. Apparently, the next morning, he told a housekeeper not to disturb his wife, who was still sleeping. And blood actually dripped through the floor down into the room below. And led to complaints to guests that were in that room. And so when they entered the room, the police found her. And ever since then, guests in that room have reported large, dark red stains in its carpet. Housekeeping will always try to remove it, but it always returns. Mm. So. Shout. It'll get anything out. (laughs) Or just shout because, like, you see this huge blood stain appearing (laughs) Ah! on the carpet. (laughs) There was also a guy by the name of the Skid Row Slasher. Apparently, he did some of his killings at the Barclay Hotel, at least one. He was a serial killer who left a victim in the hotel room 528. And it was apparently ritualistic. He had put salt around them. And then there was rumors that he also drank the blood of his victims, like a vampire. Um, And then he was caught, but... The victim in hotel room 528 remains, I guess, because of the ritual he did. Supposedly he's trapped there, which was awful. And then they did an interview with a girl named Star and her boyfriend, Ronald. I had a thought. Oh, what's your thought? If you put salt around the body, wouldn't it keep the spirit in the body? 
That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Isn't that supposed to like be like a ring of protection and like help you from vampires? So then like he would pre- be prevented from drinking the blood? I don't know about salt and vampires. I just thought like salt was a, like a barrier, right? So yeah, I thought that salt was supposed to keep out like ghosts and vampires and demons. I don't know these things very well. I could be wrong, but that was just my I just my re- thought. I need to rewatch Buffy <laughs> and get all the answers from there. Truth. Um, but yeah, no, that's very quick. Good point. Like, yeah, wouldn't that keep his body and soul? intact so to speak i don't know weird i don't want to google like <laughs> you don't want to be put on any weird list <laughs> does salt keep the body and soul intact together that would definitely get me flagged i've probably already been flagged i'm probably on many lists based on this this podcast well, but i don't want to add to it well if anybody knows let us know yeah um but star and ronald lived in hmm, 320 at the Barclay Hotel. Her boyfriend, Ronald, lived there for 14 years and she moved in with him in 2017. And at first, they were supposed to have her interviewed right away, but she was like three hours late. She really didn't want to go back and she mm-hmm. definitely did not want to go into the building. Like she flat out refused to, like, was not having it. Well, I was watching it. I was like waiting for Zach to be like, but like, can you go in? And then she yeah. like, okay. But no, she didn't. No, she was like hard fast. Like, I'm not going fucking in there, which good for you. Stand mm-hmm. your ground. Can I just say also in this episode, Zach Biggins was looking kind of old. Sorry, no offense, but he kind of was. He's old. They were all kind of looking old. But you know who has aged gracefully out of all of them? Aaron. Aaron. Because he has some shred of innocence and dignity left in him. <laughs> He's just clinging <laughs> on to. It's probably t- that cardio he gets from running. Honestly. And I think, I feel like by now, if you have not gotten, Aaron is my favorite on Ghost Adventures. I think he's, he's everybody's favorite, <laughs> honestly. We're all rooting for him deep down <laughs> to escape Zach one day. She described the building as sparse when she was living there. Like she said that there really wasn't a lot of tenants at the Barclay at that time. She said that at one point on the floor, she lived on, it was basically her and her boyfriend and then another couple staying on the opposite end of the hall on the third floor. A lot of vacant rooms in between. But she did say that there was a man who supposedly had just moved in next door and she had gone out into the hall to leave one day and there was a whole bunch of medic and police and he apparently had abruptly died of what we don't know and it had been a week before somebody had like found him or reported him Ew. which i just she said it was next door i'm surprised that she wasn't the one that like maybe smelled noticed yeah yeah especially there's not a lot of people on that floor anyway but i don't know maybe 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 there was a window open or something yeah (laughs) who knows um, she said that there was another man who was supposed to move in, but like, but before he like fully moved into the building, he died in the bathroom on the third floor, like one of the end of the hall bathroom, like a public bathroom, which, you know, for hotels and for apartments, I could see somebody be like, why would there be a random bathroom on the third floor or whatever? But if you go to like a major city like LA, New York, Chicago, 
there are some very, very small apartments that like have a public use, like a community bathroom. Yeah, I think in the bigger cities, it's more common. Yeah. So it's really not that uncommon. And um, she did say that he died in the bathroom before uh, he could fully move in. She supposedly found the body, I think. I was under the impression that at least what Zach Bagans implied. And she claimed that afterwards, they had a ghost who would throw things off, off of their walls regularly. Like they had things hanging and things like like decorative platters set up on the walls and they would be thrown off regularly. Poltergeist activity of things moving around on their own. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend, Ronald, always felt like for a long time he couldn't really bring himself to move out because every time he kind of got close to the hotel, it felt like the hotel was like beckoning him and drawing him back in and kind of had eyes, like almost like watching him. So mm-hmm. he just got a very like oppressive vibe. They also said a mysterious fire broke out, killing three, injuring six in like 1972. And afterwards, spontaneous fires are have been found around 3 to 4 a.m., usually in front of the elevators. Ronald said that he like witnessed one himself. Like literally he did like the elevator doors opened up and there was like just a small fire. It's like bad wiring to me. Honestly, or like somebody setting fire like a pyromaniac some, just yeah. living in the building yeah um and then you could you would smell and see smoke but then you wouldn't see flames also bad wiring honestly i don't think this place has gotten much upkeep but i'm not really sure uh about recent times but no one ever claimed or was able to put a finger on who set how they were set or who set them and while they're talking about this fire issue at the Barclay. They're doing this interview outside and a massive fire breaks out across the street. There's a whole bunch of like fire trucks and stuff going toward like towards the fire across the street to this building. And Zach is like, I take it as a personal warning. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> or it's yeah. just LA. <laughs> I was like, or it's just a fire. Like it was, you know, it, it or it's just like depending on the time of year, a homeless person or a homeless camp set a fire. Can you imagine if commuters in Atlanta took fires as omens, like nobody would leave their house anytime they had to commute on 285? Truly. And it's like, we should have been, when we went to Savannah last year Mm -hmm. and that homeless camp had that fire. We should have been like, yeah, we should have been like, we should have taken that as a personal warning for our our ghost tour. Our ghost tour. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it's it it's it's personal because it's you know near Zach, so everything's personal. He There's, did call uh, himself a sensitive in this episode. He did. I did. Okay, I did appreciate that in this episode, he was very um, much more respectful than he has ever been. He like walked through and was like, "We're not here to anger you." we're here to study you and study like how you're doing beyond and like very like nice. And it's I was like, probably because people are still living in this building. Honestly, which he does, you know, so there is when they're first starting the investigation, they are confronted by an agitated tenant, which like Zach is like making excuses for saying it's like the result of negative energy that's built up in the hotel and like the spirits affecting this man. But I think it's just really like this guy doesn't want a film crew. Yeah. In his residence, which is totally, you know, 
Understandable. Yes. And then the elevator was broken, which he took as another omen because of all of the deaths that have happened with the elevators. He noted two in particular, Charles Gamble in 1897, who was crushed between the elevator and then fell three stories down to the basement and was like totally mauled by the elevator. And then Joe Cotto, who was apparently a maintenance man who was watching the elevator come up and then didn't realize that the weight was also coming down on the other side. And he was crushed by it in 1901. And, you know, they wanted to do some investigation with the elevator and ride it and see if it stopped randomly, but it wasn't working at all. So he took that as a sign of spirits being there. Or again, we're at bad electrical wiring and just bad maintenance. (laughs) Room 320 was empty on the first night, but they couldn't get it open. Like the supers and like the maintenance people couldn't get it open for some inexplicable reason. So they couldn't go in there the first night. It's cursed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go through some of the evidence that they found and some of the things that happened while they were there. Okay. Like on the third floor, there was a loud bang as they were walking in the opposite direction, seeing something move in a window, but both of those things weren't really caught on the camera. So I can't give you timestamps of like, here, you'll see here, but they just heard it and saw it with their own ears and eyes. And Zach also saw an orb at the end of the hall near the bathroom on the third floor. And then Billy and Aaron were in the basement and on the second floor. And then on the second floor, they were calling out to Virgie Lee Griffin, who's supposedly up there. And Billy experiences a stabbing abdominal pain, like right underneath his ribs, like somebody is cutting him open. And then soon after, Aaron does too. And that prompts them to leave the building entirely because they were just like not feeling well. And of course, after they radio, hey, we're both getting these stabbing pains. We're going to go outside. Zach then also is afflicted by the stabbing pains and has to go outside. So you've seen the episode. Mm -hmm. Do you remember some of the evidence that was shown? I think I stopped watching at the stabbing pains. Okay. Well, there's a few pieces of evidence that I really think are interesting that I'm going to give a lot of timestamps for people just so they know what I'm talking about. But there are a few things that I think are interesting to look at. I take that back. I stopped watching when Zach said that the man that was walking down the hallway was like possessed by something. Okay. So he clearly was not possessed by something. Okay, so there is a third floor short record camera that's set to record every five seconds. And you're talking about the 2318 mark where a man just shows up out of nowhere and is wandering around. And he ends up near room 320, which was the one that was stuck that night. And he's trying to get in. And Zach thinks that's weird that he's stopping at this door to try to get in and that he seems to be affected by something like the girl at Hotel Cecil. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I will say, when I first saw the piece of evidence, it scared me. <laughs> it scared me because I did not expect this solid figure of a of shirtless man to come up on the night vision. It like it, it creeped me out. <laughs> like, I wouldn't say that it the was a two... jump scare. <laughs> 
I wouldn't say that the two were comparable because no. the the footage from Hotel Cecil, like the the girl is very clearly distressed. Afraid. Yes. This and she's guy, like looking for someone. Yeah. This guy, this guy. I, I he looks like he's on drugs. Yes. I think that when you look at the footage, it's very clear that this man is under the influence of something. Yeah. And he has just wandered onto the third floor. I'm honestly surprised that he didn't clock the camera and then like try to take it down or something. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he was affected or possessed. I think, and I think that he was just pulling on room 320 just to pull on it. Or he knew that that it was empty. Right. And it was somewhere to stay. Right. So you did see the other static cam footage because that was before this man on of floor the two of the closet the shadow of the shadow mm-hmm. this is from 2140 to 2212 it's around 324 a.m they capture a shadow on the motion captured camera which it's a game camera usually used for hunting that is only going to capture when something moves in front of it mm-hmm. and it's a very clear dark shadow that goes across and then kind of goes up mm-hmm. and zach makes a point to say that they were not staying at the hotel they were 11 miles away at a different hotel, and they had set this camera up in a room facing this, like, closet area. I did this, I did find that pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not to say, like, I need to disclaim everything that's evidence here, because I think that the second and third floor are pretty much abandoned. Like, they don't have tenants staying on those floors, but they do have people staying in this hotel as long-term tenants. So I want to, like stress that to people Mm -hmm. so you have to take like footsteps and things like with a grain of salt because there are people living there right however this was very clearly just like a black mass no it looked like it looked interesting it did it It stood out to me yes also after that they um look at photos that billy took in the basement that night Around twenty two forty nine, if you guys are interested, it's on Disney. It's not Disney Discovery Plus. Um, every time, every time, I just want really wanted to be Disney. <laughs> Wholesome Disney Disney Plus doing Ghost Adventures. Um, and at twenty three oh four, they have a clearer side by side of all three pictures. And in the basement, there's a whole bunch of dresser, armoire things with mirrors. And he took three rapid photos. The first two are normal third one has like what looks like to be like a head white figure of like a face maybe kind of starting to form i do like that aaron does point out i wish that they weren't so blurry shaky Mm -hmm. blurry and aaron is one the one to point that out and that's why he's my favorite um (laughs) (laughs) but it was interesting i do like it when they show the photo photo evidence that they get and it kind of does look like something just kind of spontaneously appears. Like, even if it was like a reflection of light, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's rapid photos. So right. you would think it would be there the whole time. But who knows? So you blocked out at strange, strange man wandering the hallways. I had things to do and it wasn't watching Ghost Adventures. I got what I, I don't. I was inspired enough by the episode to say, hey, we need to cover this. But that was as far as I got. <laughs> Fair enough. And also, I am did I not... clock out at the right time? Yeah. So there is a, there is a um, some more evidence, um, and I will have you bring up probably one or two more things. But I did this. When I tell you, 
this man, I can't, it, it did, it did like make me jump because I was, <laughs> I just was not expecting this very pale, skinny, shirtless man. And it made me go oh, like goblin or something like <laughs> Honestly, it was like Gollum. Like it was like some sort of creature is coming out. Well, and um, his movements weren't normal, right? But then, as like a split second later, I was like, "Oh, that's a human being." Yes, <laughs> that's actually a human. At least he Oof. wasn't like oh. you know, exorcist bent over backwards doing a <laughs> right. like crab walk down the hallway. Right, right. No, um, it was just a very unfortunately like a man down on his luck and being affected by something like, but like drugs like like substance not yeah they did have a mirror uh i mean a motion ball one of those cat balls Mm -hmm. on the second light uh on the second night they had one uh set up in the second floor and right before they start going inside they're like preparing to go inside and it's around 24 47 uh they see it light up Mm -hmm. and they're like oh okay well aaron billy and jay run in to kind of investigate and they say as soon as they get there it's very cold the whole floor is very cold and freezing i don't know what time of year they went though i'm not sure that this place has great insulation and heating um but they said it was much much colder than the rest of the like the first floor that they had come from or outside they asked for a repeat of the ball lighting up like a just asking the spirit to do it again and they do get a response that seems intelligent Mm-hmm. And nobody's touching the ball, and the cat ball has to be touched, or has to be bumped, or has to be moved in some sort of way to init- initiate that light. Do you see like, it moved? I didn't. That's the only thing is that it might just be even being tapped so lightly, and it's dark everywhere else that you can't really see the movement. Mm-hmm. It does light up. So, but it's like one of those bouncy balls that you get with the lights inside. Mm-hmm. You have to actually do something to make it work. So. Take with that what you will. Cat balls are always interesting, and I'm glad that they're being used in the paranormal community, I guess, <laughs> as evidence collectors. 2647 is when they start doing a spirit box on the second floor. We all know how we love those. It's actually not that bad of a spirit box, though. It doesn't have as loud of a static noise. You want to know why? Because I think it's a universal agreement that nobody likes that noise. That it makes everybody feel funny. This is true. That it doesn't need to be so loud. Listen, they called it the polterpod, though. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was pretty funny. I like it better than Spirit Box. I guess their their brand is the polterpod. It's going to be like in the shape of an apple, but with a little ghost bottom or something. Yes. It's, I mean, it's clever. I don't know. It's clever. They get a few responses from this. They get a woman's voice that says, need to talk. Uh, They claim that that is Virgie. However, Aaron asks for a name to the woman and they get another voice. Zach thinks it says something about murderers or murders. And when I listen to it, I think it says those workers, Mm. which I don't know if anything's ever happened to any workers that (laughs) I've worked on the hotel, but that's what I thought. And when Zach is voicing, like, maybe they're talking about their murders, they get, it's not. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong, Zach. Stay in your lane. And, and Aaron says, maybe it's not Virgie Lee at all. 
And the spirit box says, you're right. So Aaron's really winning this episode. They hate Zach. They're team Aaron, just like everyone else. <laughs> um, they then take the polterpod to the room with the black You mark. love it. <laughs> <laughs> I want one. If anybody wants to send me a polterpod, I'm never going to turn it on, mind you. Definitely but not. if it says polterpod on it, I want it. It actually has like those words like em- embossed on it or something. Can we get stickers made that say polterpod so we can put it on like our phones and stuff? Yes. We are a polterpod. Think about <laughs> that. <laughs> Missed opportunity for a name, man. Honestly, they already took it. Zach would sue us. He would. Um, but they take it to the room with the black mass, the one that is in the photos. Mm-hmm. This is around 30 minutes into the episode. They get a female voice again and when they're asking to speak to Virgie. And they don't really get much else after that. However, when they're leaving, they get a two by four that was in that room, like spontaneously falls or is like feels like it's been thrown in their direction and like falls behind them as they're walking away. That's uncomfortable. Yes. And at the same time as that's happening, the closet door is opening by itself. And this is when I was like, holy shit, that man's still there and he's going to pop out. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. But wouldn't that be kind of funny, though? Sometimes I want that to happen. Like, you know, somebody is just fucking with them. One time, just wanted to be. You know, it's had to have happened, but they just don't show it. it. They include it in the episode as paranormal happenings. Yeah. I would die. It would make me laugh so hard. That's probably why they don't do it. (laughs) And at the same time as that, an orb comes from the doorframe. Although with all that happening, it could easily be dust. Or just a huge ass bug that decided to knock everything over at once. Right. Uh, They also, they try the spirit box again, the polterpod again. When they get all this movement and activity and they ask if Virgie died there and Zach chimes in when they get a response thinking it says chopped liver. But when I was listening to it, it sounded like it's, I, I heard shut the door, which makes sense. If the door just opened, my interpretations are making a lot more sense in context than Zach. Chopped liver? Like who... What a weird thing to think. I mean, I guess it's different when you're there. Yeah. You know, and we're like sitting, we're, we're sitting on our sofas even... listening to this, but like, that's such a wild translation. Yeah. But the thing is, is that like, Zach is not even in the room with them. He's like listening and watching from nerve center. So he's getting it kind of delayed too. Weird. Very weird. Um, But like I said, that's like the 30 minute mark. It goes to about... 32 15 is when that kind of like that all that between 30 minutes and in and 32 15 is when all that stuff happens Mm. they also get some footsteps walking up behind them later on in an orb around 33 26 again with footsteps you have to take them with a grain of salt because there are people living there and it sounds i did i did hear the footsteps and they kind of stop abruptly and they kind of look down the hall and they're like, hello, and nobody answers. But then it's like, if it were me and I'm like walking along and I hear people. A film crew. Hall, 
a film crew down the hall and I'm like oh shit yeah that was that was happening I would awkwardly stop and like not want to reveal myself because I'm like oh shit I don't want to get in trouble with the film crew (laughs) so let me just wait here until they pass they were sending emails about this for two weeks right so that's always something that you have to consider and then Zach decides that he's going to take the XLS body camera up to the third floor. Our favorite. Yes. And but when I say XLS body camera, it's an XLS camera attached to his body. They've moved on. I see. And he was like, I put it on. And then he decided to walk down the street with it first as a pretending to be a robot. And I'm serious when I say that. Because <laughs> he's fun and whimsical. He's the ghost Willy Wonka. I saw a thing on Instagram talking about the need to stop weird girl appropriation. And I felt it in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> he does go up to 320 to use this because they can finally get it open. And... They do get a figure around 3620 laying down and then crawling up the wall. Not like that. Nope. And they use that stupid paranormal puck, which I hate. It's totally opposite of paranormal pod. I mean, the polter pod. I hate this paranormal Pucking puck. puck. It's the one that like shows you the words. You know, it like just shows you the words that come up. Because oh, speak and spell. The speak and spell. But it's a puck. Yeah. It's a something in puck. It's like a little, it looks like a little old iPod. Mm. And it says, get near. And then a figure, as soon as that appears, and Billy's holding it, get near. And then a figure appears behind him. And the stick figure kind of hovers there. And uh, Zach's like, can you touch Billy? And like, it reaches out a hand, stick figure hand, and then kind of tries to touch Billy's hand and then disappears. Very responsive. Yes. Very intelligent, as Zach says. The clip ends at 38 minutes after Zach says it moves through him and makes him feel like his lungs have collapsed. Very intense. He was also wearing a mask at that time, I believe. So Hmm. in the basement... They also use a new piece of, qu- of equipment that I've never seen before. Oh? They use a synth machine. If you know what that is, great. If you don't know what that is, <laughs> a synth machine is uh, where they use different frequencies mm-hmm. to create different pitches. And then you can kind of move your hand through them and it makes different sounds. It's very cool. The one that vividly comes to my memory is when I was on Slime Time Live for the Halloween episode. They used a synth machine and it was like right near me. It was very cool to watch. So they use that. But they have that hooked up to a spirit box, a polterbot, if you will. And I don't know exactly what that does. But at 3824, they get a voice to that says, yeah, in response to, did you die in this hotel? They also get an unclear voice, ready, and a hate him, which I can only imagine is pointed at Zach Bagans. However, right after the hate him, Aaron gets pains all over his body and has to walk away after feeling like an old, old man. Oh, just sad. 
Give him a break. He must feel like an old, old man after all these years of having to hang around demons and spirits and Zach Bagans. Some would argue that's one of the same. (laughs) (laughs) And then the only one that I really want you to listen to is at the very end of the episode at 4018. Okay. They call this a Class A EVP, one of the clearest that they have ever gotten. It is in room th- it is near room 319 which is the what the next door room where that man supposedly died and star said that they didn't find for a week and the clip goes from 40 minutes 18 seconds to 41 minutes could there have been something on the somebody on the other side of that door that wasn't supposed to be there that's what i'm thinking like it's a very clear man voice um and and they also have an orb that floats in um, at the same time as they get this EVP. However, um, so yes, it's a very clear voice. And I was like, ooh, that gives me chills. And um, it was a very strong EVP. However, 319 is closed. It's not like they're in the room. Mm-hmm. It could be a squatter. Well, but then on the other hand, I was like, wouldn't you hear that with your own ears? Not if they were being quiet about it. Like, if they were whispering to each other in the room, but then you have the recorder next to the door, the recorder might pick up more than your ears. It's closer. You know, it's kind of like holding your ear to the next door. to the door versus standing away from it. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I, like, because it doesn't seem like this, like I said, this doesn't seem like this place is very well upkept. I'm sure that the walls and the doors are kind of thin. I feel like you would. And it was so clear. It was clear. I wish that they had have gone into the room. Right. But I think that might have been locked. Because there was somebody in it and the door wasn't open. Or, you know, just because they keep things locked. So maybe people won't squat. Maybe. But they did call this like one of the best pieces of EVP evidence they've ever gotten anywhere. And to their credit, it is a very, like, usually it's very garbled and it's hard to understand, but Uh, it's very clear. It's very clear, very male. And then they kind of stop their investigation. They say it's one of their more successful investigations that they've had. Um, I will admit that this place had a lot more, they had a lot more to show Mm -hmm. here at the Hotel Barclay than Hotel Cecil, because I watched that episode too. I agree. And they had a lot more to show for it. And I feel like there's a lot more specific history that might be backed up by your history. The claims are more solid than Hotel Cecil. Mm -hmm. And I think that the only thing that is bizarre that has that Cecil has that Barclay doesn't have is the woman who was found in the water tower, which again is a very compelling mystery and that's why they've done the Netflix documentary on it and everything. However, I think that she was suffering from mental illness. That's just my two cents about that. I think that I've said that before. Yeah, um, go go listen to that episode if you yes. want to hear our feelings about it. Yes. And yeah, but that's what's going on at Hotel Parkley. I have not seen any like TripAdvisor, really any Google reviews that kind of express specific hauntings from other people outside of ghost adventures so it was kind of hard to find like experiences and stuff outside of this this episode and it just might be that you know there are people living there it's not like you know it's not like you're going to the stanley 
you know? Yeah, you're not not... staying there as like a guest. You're staying there as a residence. And it's like a low-income area. It's not like people are going to be flocking to the internet to share their experiences right? at this time. So, so yeah. Well, I'm glad you thought that it was an interesting episode. It was. And I can tell you about the history when we get back. Okay, we'll be right back. What's up, witches? Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Jess. And welcome to True Crime Coven. So I'm Claudia and I bring the true crime content. I aim to make it ethical and inclusive and as much of a safe space as possible. And I'm Jess and I bring the ghost stories and the cryptid stories and I like to present them in the form of a sandwich. So we go ghost story, cryptid story and finish up with a slice of ghost story bread. And it's always delicious. (laughs) If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, then search True Crime Coven wherever you get your podcasts. And just remember to stay safe and stay spooky. We're back. Here we are. Speaking of the Renaissance Festival earlier, just sorry, side note. Hi, Geode. Yeah, from the one we went. All those years ago, remember I had it was a dragon egg and I got it cut in half. No, I don't remember that at all, actually. Oh well, I did, and I still have it. So that's super cool. Yeah, I didn't get the other half, did I? Uh, no, I think I had both halves. I think my okay. mom has the other half now. Okay, I was like, oh god, I hope that wasn't something I needed to keep. Yeah, now we're not. That would absolutely be something that I would still have. No, now we're not best friends anymore. No, just kidding. I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> oh god, this is how it ends. Um, no. But yeah, I just thought it was cool. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the Barclay. So it's a lot. Oh, what's really going on? Just hit me with all of it. Um, I'm going to preface this again by saying that this is a lot. Yes. We're going to talk about some very violent things, uh, racial things. Oh, no. Murder, death. It's all going to be gruesome. So just letting you know ahead of time. The Barclay opened in 1897 okay as the van noise okay and it was considered the nicest hotel in los angeles at the time Ooh, it was the f- first hotel to provide telephone and electric service to every room that's cool it had 32 rooms on each of its six floors it had 60 private baths in 10 public bathrooms. So if you do the math, obviously there were some rooms that did not have their own bathroom. Right. So still true to this day. The LA Times wrote, the stationary wash stands in each room are conveniently arranged with mirror and electric light over each. A neat device for the electrical heating of curling irons in each room is a new feature of special interest to the ladies. Mm. So luxurious glamorous 1897 curling irons can you imagine the hair damage (laughs) and the burns that you're getting on your forehead Uh and everywhere else (laughs) so i read about the history and things escalated quickly let's talk about the elevator okay get it (laughs) it would have been better if it was an escalator but you know but those are more terrifying I don't know. So March 3rd, 1897, the LA Times wrote, fell three stories. Charles Gamble killed in an elevator shaft. Oh, God. Okay. So, yeah, true. True. Gamble was sent up to the third floor to get a tray of dishes. He was an employee at the hotel. 
the elevator was run by employees of the elevator company. Okay. So they were separate from the hotel employees. They were trained in running the elevator. That was their only job. Literally their only job. Because elevators kind of pretty new at this point. Right. And this was a newer model, an automatic elevator, but it still had an operator. Robert White was running the elevator. Okay. And according to him, he said to the LA Times, I was going to stop the elevator, but the wheel stuck and I could not turn it. Then I must have lost my head or something. For I reached for the door on the third floor and stepped quickly out. Gamble started to follow me, but he was too late. The elevator caught him, and then he dropped down the shaft. (gasps) It gets worse. The LA Times spared no detail. According to them, as Gamble stepped forward, because it's going up, the top of the doorway caught him and threw him forward, and the floor of the elevator was rising and it pinned him just above his thighs. Ugh. Since this was the 1900s, there was no fail-safe that says if elevator gets resistance, elevator stops. Right. So the elevator just kept going. Elevator beats bones. So it just kept going until his legs broke. Oh, God. And then it kept going. It held on to his foot <gasps> and drug him up into the elevator shaft until his foot broke. Oh, God. And then he fell. Three oh. floors to the bottom of the shaft into the basement. And he hit this. He fell on his head. Oh. His jaw was completely shattered. His skull was fractured. However, he was somehow alive. Oh, and so much pain, probably. Yeah, he was taken to the hospital where he did regain consciousness, but they said that that hour that he lived was absolutely terrible. I'm sure. Very just, they were saying that he was like vomiting pretty much every time he tried to speak. And it was just a very terrible hour that he lived before he finally succumbed to his injuries. Ugh. Give him some morphine or something. I don't know. Yeah, it was... That one was... Like, for the first story to read out of everything, I was like, well, that's terrible. That is so terrible. And then, like, I'm sure that the operator was like, holy holy shit. Like, I mean, also, like, you couldn't warn the guy. You couldn't say jump. (laughs) Well, no, he... That was, like, a summarization of the article. But Mm -hmm. in the article, there were a couple of different pieces. So the New York... Or the New York... The LA Times was saying that it was very hard to get a full complete thought out of him. He was very jumbled. I'm sure he's very in shock that the watches ban yeah be crushed by this elevator. Additionally, people who are familiar with the elevator industry were saying that if he had just stayed, the elevator would have stopped. Like I think that what he was thinking was like was it's going to go all the way to the top and crush them. Well, not necessarily. I think he just thought I needed to get on the third floor. So he tried to get out because it wasn't stopping because he probably wasn't used to an automatic elevator where it was going to stop on his on its own. So Um, since he wasn't able to stop it himself, he was just like, I'm just going to get out. But then the article also said that Gamble panicked because he saw the operator getting out. Yeah. 
And so he tried to get out too, but there wasn't enough time. So he got caught. Yeah. Man, just awful. Now let's talk about this low-key racist article that the LA Times wrote. Uh, So it's Joe Cotto, who was a a hotel employee. Mm -hmm. He was also killed by an elevator accident on September 21st, 1901. Not too long after the previous elevator incident. The crazy thing is you would think that after an incident that uh, gruesome, that like elevator safety would have taken priority yeah and like you know maybe part of training for the employees like don't screw around around the elevators but i guess not the la times wrote september 21st 1901 curiosity lured joe kato for some reason they felt it important to detail he was japanese and that made itself the evident or the reason made itself clear later on in the story uh to a curiously horrible death at the Van Noyes Hotel yesterday morning. Kata was an assistant janitor at the hotel, and just before the disaster had been dusting the banister, leading to the fourth floor and winding around the graded elevator shaft. In a moment of idling, the childish curiosity of his race... Yikes. What? Holy shit. I literally typed Excuse in... Yikes. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> that is like oh, awful. Wow. So that's wow. why they felt the need to include that earlier in the first sentence of the article. God. Uh, prompted him to climb up the oak rail and peek into the shaft to see if the ele- to see the elevator car come up. Okay. He did not remember that as the car goes up, a huge weight goes down the shaft because you know physics right as he leaned far over the shaft to watch the rising car the weight slipped down and struck him full in the head with the force of 4,800 pounds oh he must have been killed instantly mr potter so yeah right mr potter the proprietor of the van noise found him doubled over the rail with the upper part of his body hanging down the shaft Kato had been at the Van Noyes for several years and was a favorite with the guests. He was oh. about 30 years old. It did say that he didn't have any family in the country, but that his countrymen were going to be handling the burial arrangements. What, they weren't childlike? I just, like, after like, I read that, I was like, even the what tone. What the fuck does that even mean? The tone, like, he, they made him, like, he climbed up the oak rail and peeked into the shaft. Like, it made him sound like a kid. Yeah. He was 30 years old. Right. And I've never heard anyone refer to the Japanese as... With, like, childlike curiosity. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> Crazy. It's a horrible thing to say about somebody who died a hor- horrible death. That was a terrible death. But also, it sounds like one of those things that you would uh, hear on A Thousand Ways to Die on MTV. This is true. Also, like, it's... I mean, being... I'm just... I'm sorry. Being a specific race has nothing to do with, like, you know. Wanting to see how something works. Right. Being curious about how something is working. Especially, like you said, like, elevators, like, the ones there were, like, not super common. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was like, you know, wow, this is really new and fascinating. Like, Yeah, new technology. Yeah. God, awful. 
I doubt the LA Times is doing anything better these days. We can hope for the best, but expect uh, the worst. Yeah. Kind of sounds like old school TMZ, if I'm being honest. It does. So. I did see that President William McKinley visited the hotel in May of 1901. Mm. There were more wild stories with, quote, thieving bellboys and waiters were a recurring problem at the hotel. Conmen and destitute women skipped out on their bills. I feel like that's every hotel. Pacific Electric's Henry Hunting- Huntington was stalked by an insane man who had been injured by one of his company's streetcars, and a patron was robbed at gunpoint. Guests fought in the bar room. And a knife fight between kitchen staff in 1902 left hotel butcher Evan Roberts dead. Oh, my God. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't bring this one up. I did not. I had no idea about that. But, like, somebody butchered the butcher. Let me tell you about this one. It's so stupid. This is such a boy story. So, apparently this guy, Lloyd Alcott, was an employee at the hotel. Okay. And he was screwing around and he thought that it would be funny to write the name of the head butcher, Evan Roberts, on a white cook coat, like a coat that the cooks, the line cooks would wear. Mm-hmm. And he threw it down into the kitchen area. When Evan found it, he was like, who the fuck did this? And he went to Lloyd and he was like, did you do this? What is this? And Lloyd is like, it looks like your coat. It's got your name on it. Hardy har har. <laughs> and Evan was like, screw you, man. And it escalates because in the typical kitchen staff way, he got his ego hurt. I don't understand why it was a big deal if his name is written on his coat. I think it was because in my head, head butcher is probably as prestigious as like head chef. Head chef. So it would be kind of like taking the head chef's name and putting it on the dishwasher's apron or yeah. something. Okay. I got it. I think it was a disrespect to his status. This is how uh, I'm piecing it together in my head. And you don't do that with kitchen staff because they're all very sensitive creatures. Gotcha. Be kind to them. They have tender hearts. Right. Uh, so he got pissed off and he wanted to fight like they do. So when he confronted Lloyd, it escalated and he started calling Lloyd names and Lloyd started calling his names and then he was like, fuck you, dude. And they started fighting and then Lloyd picked up a bread knife and started waving it around and they got broken up and then i guess evan was like you know i'm still pissed about this so he showed up with his brother hugh and then they start beating lloyd up like actually beating the shit out of him he they start punching him in the head and punching him in the back and lloyd is like this was a joke what the fuck are you doing so he grabs the bread knife again and starts waving it around behind him trying to get them away he does get away but when he turns around Apparently, that bread knife was sharper than he thought because it had gashed Evan's stomach open. He had a huge cut on his abdomen, and he was losing a lot of blood. He also had cut Evan's brother, Hugh, on the arm, and I think he had a small cut on his back, but he was okay. He was bandaged up. Evan had to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. He lost a lot of blood, Mm -hmm. and he ended up dying. I'm sure. Maybe he hit an artery or something. Uh, it was internal bleeding. So yeah. he probably nicked like a bread knife was sharp, man. It was yeah. more for more than bread, I think. Um, so Lloyd had up... just sharpened it for dinner service. You know, we're going to have a, a butcher, lot of bread today. Being a butcher, he should have known how, how sharp those knives were. Right. Lloyd was arrested for assault with a deadly weapon. 
It's self-defense. Just saying. He was found not guilty a few months later as it was ruled self-defense. Okay. <laughs> and based on the paper, everybody seemed pleased with the outcome, including his wife and the hotel employees because they were like, oh, that dude was crazy. That was just like a crazy story. It's like, right. this is wild. Come on now. Over a jacket. Over a name on a jacket. <laughs> That's ridiculous. The guy died. And he was the one who picked the fight and he ended up dying. Right. Don't pick fights. They always Take a end joke. Up badly. Especially a lighthearted joke like that. He didn't even call your mother a bad name, you know? Right. Moving on to the more, I mean, the, that story was kind of sad. The guy ended up dying, but more yeah. sadities in this hotel. In 1909, Ada Tilt Otis, a Chicago heiress, checked in after divorcing her alcoholic husband. Okay. She wrote to her friend, When I got my decree of divorce, I resolved I would never marry again. I tried society, but its vagaries disgusted me. Amen. I feel that the whole game of life is not worth the candle that it takes. Okay. She was written about in the Herald Press on August 18th, 1909, in which they said that she was found in her hotel room and had drank a dose of poison and left a note to William Coleman saying the game is not worth the candle and signed her name. She was 34 or 35 years old. Sad. Sad. I do believe that society is disgusting, though. Well, the interesting thing about that story specifically was that her family never agreed to the ruling that it was suicide. Oh, they thought it was something else. No, they said that she died from her asthma. Oh, the asthma induced from poison? They said that she had been struggling with her asthma for a while and she ended up succumbing to it. Oh. And while I don't necessarily believe that that is what killed her. I thought that it was interesting that Zach said that his lungs were hurting. Mm, yeah, like his lungs collapsed. Mm, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Could be something. additional. Yeah, just just thought. I think that she probably, considering she sent a note to her friend saying the game is not worth the candle, she probably ended Took up her own life, yeah. ending her life. Yeah, but... That's not to say that she wasn't experiencing bouts of, you know, asthma attacks beforehand. Right. And that could have contributed to it. Her depression, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Also, Steel Tycoon, millionaire Colonel W. Arthur Phipps died in the hotel. Oh, okay. He apparently was a bit paranoid and then it turned out to be really paranoid. And he thought that people were out to kill him. Okay. So he held himself up at the hotel for years Kind of becoming agoraphobic. Yeah, he became very much a recluse. Mm-hmm. He had tons of money. The Probably dude was paranoid. The dude, yeah, he thought that uh, organized somebody in the organized crime arena was out to kill him. So he held up at the hotel with his wife and his dog Teddy. Mm, Teddy. He died of heart failure in his room. The article that I was getting like the highlights from said that it was of cirrhosis of the liver, but the article that I found from the time the LA Times in 1911 said that he died of heart failure They've and they both well yeah but they contributed the heart failure to him this, being a shut-in yeah um his entire estate was left to his wife because there was another article about not being able to find his will but they found it at another estate mm-hmm. and his dog actually died the same year 
before he died. There's a story about this truck showing up with a headstone that read Teddy. Oh, Because they were going to bury Teddy at a ranch and they ordered a granite headstone for his grave. Oh, he was so beloved. He was very cared for, but the headstone maker had to bring it to the hotel for the, him to view it before he took it off. Yeah. yeah. It ended up falling out of the truck. Oh, no. But it was fine. It was okay. fine. Yeah. So he died, but it was somewhat natural causes. Just gotcha. a, a weird dude, though. Yeah. Let's talk about William Edward Collier in 1924. Okay. This one is Dark. a lot. Yeah. He was 39 years old. Okay. And he was getting ready to check out of the hotel. He was getting help from employee George Algier mm-hmm. packing his things. And mm-hmm. while George was helping him pack, William grabbed a bottle of cyanide and threw it back. In front of George? In front of George. And George was like, what the fuck do I do? Continue to pack your shirts? Do you want this in your large suitcase or your small suitcase? Do you want me to pack that bottle in your toiletries? Right. Yeah. So William ended up dying just a few minutes after drinking the poison. I heard that cyanide poisoning is not the best way to go. No, I've heard it's very, very painful. And like you are very, very sick. Uh, He was taken to the hospital. And the hospital was like, he is already dead. He died in a few minutes. So I'm assuming he died at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Among his things, while the police were searching his possessions, they found his divorce papers that had been recently served by his wife. Okay. They also found a note that he wrote to her. Right. Let me read it to you. My darling, I go never more to return. I have done my best. And this is the only way I can give you the freedom you crave. I leave you with your conscience. I wish I could prevent the suffering you are going to have to endure. You can't escape that inner being which will gnaw at your vitals to your dying breath. You made me a cheat and a liar before the world, and I gladly assume the burden for you. Now you kill my body. Murderous. May God in his infinite wisdom pity you and spare you pain. Your false friends will now show their real colors and you will be left alone. Betrayer of souls, you are damned to a life of remorse from which even I cannot shield you. Pray to your God to show you the error of your ways. He alone is now your friend. The lepers will show you their true colors and your disillusionment will be complete. God pity you, hun, and farewell. (laughs) I have done my best and can go with a clear conscience but with the knowledge that there is no forgiveness for the suicide. So as you go through life, think of the soul roasting in hell because of you. Each night, watch my face float before you, and each day, hear the moans of the tortured soul you blasted and sent to hell for all eternity. It is too late now for any repentance by you to save me. And know that I died loving you and praying for you. The last sound issuing from my lips will be Ida, your husband ed oh my god what a gaslighting narcissistic piece of shit oh, sorry i hope the police found that and they're like we're gonna just tell her that we didn't find a note no this got posted in the la times no la times come on you're really fucking people over here like it and it wasn't just the la times this was posted in a lot of papers oh my god 
Poor Ida. But then, you know, everybody was like, oh, you know, she probably needed to send those divorce papers. Yeah. Or maybe that wouldn't have really been the 1920s mindset, would it? It would have been woman. But to be like, you made me a liar and a cheat. What? Well, I think it was like you, um, you made me to be like you. Oh, like we're giving false stories or something. Yeah. You were making me sound like a liar and a cheat or like I you were telling people. <laughs> like you made me the bad guy to people yeah. type thing. Yeah. It just kept going. Yeah. He did not let up on the gas at all. He just plowed right on through. That was awful <laughs> way more awful than they made it seem on ghost avengers <laughs> so that was ed uh on ed then in the in 1929 the lease on the van noise was taken up by consolidated hotels incorporated the dining room was closed and the name was changed to the barclay hotel okay in 1937 elizabeth reyes 71 was found in a chair in her room with her head beaten in with a brick. Oh my God. It seems like she may have survived this. I couldn't find anything after the fact. I couldn't even find where where she died. Like in general, I couldn't find her grave. There was an Elizabeth Reyes that was buried in this specific woman's hometown, but the ages didn't match up. So it was not the same person. But there was an article talking about her later saying that she couldn't name the person because she was in and out of consciousness because right. she was beaten in the head by a brick and she was 71 years old. Oh. Um, but there were a series of brick murders. I don't know. What do you call that? Brickings. Brickings. I don't know. An article actually called it sluggings, but I couldn't. <gasps> I couldn't. So. There were murders in the surrounding area where women and young girls, like 12 years old, were found beaten and in some instances assaulted. Oh, my God. The murders were later charged to Robert Nixon. It seems to be a story in its own because being in the 30s and Robert Nixon being a black male, there was a lot of like racially fueled uh, newspaper articles about it. Yeah. It seems like based on the evidence that they collected at the scene, right? it was him that committed the murders, mm-hmm. uh, but it seems like he was very harshly persecuted in the papers. Mm. So the next crazy story happened in 1944. Virgie Lee Griffin, who was a married waitress, and she also had an alcohol addiction. I saw in a paper that she was a prostitute, but the main article I found said that she was a, waitre- a waitress. So I take that with what you will. Yeah. She met Otto, Otto Stephen Wilson in a bar downtown. She agreed to go with Otto to the hotel where they checked in under a false name. Otto claimed that Virgie asked him for money in one what? article. She asked him for more money than what she had originally propositioned. And it pissed him off. So according to the court records, he choked the woman and then indulged in, I don't like that word, so I'm not going to use it, in an array of stabbing, cutting, and severing parts of the woman's body using the knife he had just purchased. He claimed that the choking took place during an argument 
following a demand by the woman for $20 after reaching the room. Defendant stated his original plan was to cut up the body of his victims, his victims so as to carry it out of the hotel in package form. To this end, one leg was severed, but the plan was then abandoned because of the difficulty of its accomplishment. Instead, the severed parts of the body were placed in a closet of the room. Oh. Oh. He then went across the street to watch a show at the Million Dollar Theater. Eventually, a maid found the remains in the closet. Not due to, she was just cleaning the room. There were no reports of blood leaking from the ceiling. Gotcha. Three days later, Otto murdered Lilliam Johnson at another downtown hotel. He was arrested on November 16th in a nearby bar when his bruised and blood-stained hands caught the eye of Lieutenant Harry Donnellan of the LAPD. Wow. He was convicted of both murders and was executed at San Quentin on September 20th, 1946. So he said that the murder of Virgie was due to his anger. Mm-hmm. And then he just murdered. Got a taste for it? No, he just murdered Lilium just because he admitted to it. He said, I just did it just because. I think he said it was cursory or something like that. Mm. Yeah. His ex-wife, I don't know if she was like a witness or if they just took a testimony from her. She said that he was a sadist and that he would cut her bottom Mm-hmm. Like with a razor, and then he would apologize and lick the blood off of it. Ugh. No, thank you. I'm, you're, you know, you don't kink shame, but that's, everybody has their thing, but that's just, uh, no, no, not for me. Uh, then there were the fires. In 1972, there was a fire that killed three people and injured seven. Okay. Harvey Lynn Beagle II lived down the street at the Cecil. Oh, okay. He was convicted of arson because he just lit the hotel on fire. The Cecil or the Barclay? The Barclay. He lived at the Cecil. He set the Barclay on fire. As a, I don't know. Just because. As a rival hotels. Uh, He just. He just did it. He got caught because he was bragging to someone and complaining to them that the Barclays said that it there was like $150, $50,000 worth of damage, but it was really like he really did $250,000 worth of damage. Oh, gotcha. And so he got caught for it because he was bragging about how much damage he caused. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Then in 1975, Samuel Suarez was murdered by... Vaughn Oren Greenwood, otherwise known as the Skid Row Slasher, in room 528. Vaughn was convicted of nine counts of murder in 1977 and was sentenced to life in prison, which I thought was interesting that he was sentenced to life in prison, but the others were executed. Yeah. When he killed nine people and the others killed two and, I think, five. Maybe it's just like a different time the being arrested and convicted. Yeah, this the the difference is the seventies versus the twenties and thirties. Yeah, so maybe, but maybe the jails were making more money per inmate at that point. Yeah, I did read that. Like with Greenwood, he was targeting men who were alcoholics or something. Uh, I think or transients. Yeah, yeah. There was a. I have so many articles from this. All of these I checked on newspapers and found my. Like, my sources are all newspaper articles. Gotcha. Um, and they, he, 
did have a list of all of his victims. Uh, but I didn't see anything about like ritualistic salt stuff. ring satanic type thing. It did say on his Wikipedia page and his Murderpedia page that there was like sa- satanic inklings. But this is in 1975. So I feel like this is the very beginning of satanic panic. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, regardless, Samuel Suarez was murdered in. I don't know specifically the room 528 because the article that I found corroborating the story just said the fifth floor. Gotcha. Okay. So the Barclay was granted historic cultural monument status by the city in 1985. And it is now a low-income residence run by the Healthy Housing Foundation. And I thought this foundation was really interesting, so I just kind of want to talk about it a little bit. It provides housing to low-income people, and prioritizes placements to individuals with chronic health conditions, including HIV and AIDS. Oh, wow. The foundation, the Healthy Housing Foundation itself, was launched by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Um, they work to like keep family- families together and get chronic, chronically ill people off the streets, which I think is really good. Yeah. I felt like that was a good place to end, but then I found a sad story to add to it. And then to keep it chronological, I had to include it. So in 2017, a firefighter was killed during a training exercise at the hotel. Oh. He fell from an aerial ladder and he landed on the trailer deck of a fire truck. He was taken to the hospital, but he died two days later from his injuries. Mm, That's sad. Yeah, he was young, too. I feel like he might have been in his 30s, I think. Mm. And interesting that they have, like, low-income housing, but they're also having, like, firefighter training there. I don't know. They said that they do, like, really frequent trainings at that hotel. I don't know if it's maybe because of the structure of it. Like, it's such a good example of a historic building. So, it, it does have, like, the fire escapes and everything. Right. I don't know. Or maybe it's just off the main path so much that it they can kind of load out and not be in everybody's way right that's it that's all i have for you that's a lot that was a lot yeah it was a lot it was really bad yeah (laughs) a lot of awful things just happened there Mm -hmm. if anything like needs to actually be that like considered cursed i would think it would be this hotel it's just crazy but it's one of those things where it's like chicken or the egg is it cursed because of where it is (laughs) or is it just cursed? Like, are these bad things happening because it's cursed or are these bad things happening because it is where it is? But yeah. I guess if you think about it, like the bad things were happening before. When it was actually it was, a high profile like hotel. Yeah. So I feel like it's just cursed. <laughs> like that first elevator incident was, I think, two or three months after the hotel opened. Yeah. And it was supposed to be like an upscale place, it's like the most fanciest place. So, I don't know. Crazy, yeah? Yes, very crazy. Do we think it's haunted? I don't think it's a good... I don't think it has good energy. No, I don't think so either. I'm not sure about, like, intelligent spirits, but definitely, like, poltergeist activity. Like, I could see, I don't know, residual energy being... I feel like this place should have the reputation 
that the Cecil has because it has yes. the things to back it up. I feel like when we were researching yes. the Cecil, it was just like yeah, there so there was a lot of like there were stories of people taking their own lives mm-hmm. and stuff at the Cecil. Like, don't get us wrong, there was some weird things that happened there, but this place has like a lot after story after story <laughs> and newspaper articles to back it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the first one where I've had pretty much a newspaper article to back up every single story. Wild. Yeah. I not think good. Be, it was not good and I would not stay here. And I think it could be haunted. But I hope for the people that live there, it's not. Maybe they need to do like a cleansing. Maybe. Be afraid it would make everything worse. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, good job. <laughs> Thanks. You good job. <laughs> Sorry I had to read through all those horrible stories. I was just fascinated that I kept finding things. Like that never happens. Yeah. And it was like just consistently getting the tea on stuff because it was one crazy story after another. Very, very interesting. Cool. Um, next time, hopefully we'll have something just as interesting when we slip on over to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But not Which for it- the fried chicken. No. Oh. We've been to Kentucky. I think so. I feel like we've discussed it looking like something. It's the platter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you were like, what do you mean? I was like, what are you talking about? Yes. So we've been to Kentucky before, but we're going there again. Yes. Um, great. What's your sage moment? My sage moment is that's a good question. I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel, you guys. <laughs> Because we're recording all these <laughs> like what happened. I haven't already told you guys about when this comes out. So when this comes out, it will be the 24th. So it'll be after my birthday. So um, happy birthday to future me. That's right. Happy birthday to future you. I'll be 32 in the future and hopefully have a baby. So best birthday present ever. That'll be perfect. That's my sage moment is the future birthday that I'm going to have. I'm sure the future birthday will be good because hopefully you can give yourself a celebratory little birthday cocktail. Enjoy some cake. Put your feet up and hold your baby. That'll be nice. Mm -hmm. What's your sage moment? Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Uh, My sage moment. I found it. Okay. Perfect. What do you call a reluctant potato? I don't know. A hesitator. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, That's all. That's a good one. I, like I that. haven't done a joke in a while and I too am scraping the bucket. So, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with it. A good joke is a good joke. Oh, you know, when this comes out, mm-hmm. my brother will have already been married. Awesome. So congratulations to him and my sister-in-law. Yes, congratulations. All the exciting thing happening in October. Yeah, October is wild. Yes. I hope everybody's having a good month so far. Yeah, carving and... pup- pumpkins and whatnot. Yeah, Halloween's just around the corner. Don't forget about our live episode. Yeah, I think we're switching it up a little bit. Maybe we'll just keep you in the dark. And then turn the lights on last minute and there will be a shirtless man in the hallway. (laughs) Oh, God, I hope not. (laughs) But regardless, we will talk to you next Tuesday. 
See you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, we love getting suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on, and all that good stuff. You can send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com or DM us on social. Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.